Hey, y'all. Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. I am here in the great city of Wheeling, West Virginia, broadcasting to you from WWVA 1170 AM out of the Capitol Music Theater. So I am excited to be with you today, and we are doing the last of the series called Kiss the Bridegroom, Part 3. Father, you are such a wonderful, wonderful bridegroom. And I thank you, Father, that you made a decision before the foundation of the world that you would betroth yourself to us. Father, I thank you for your soon coming and appearing and calling us your bride to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Father, we come today with hearts so full of expectancy and so excited, Father, to know that you are preparing us, preparing your church, the bride. You're preparing us to meet you. So, Father, I thank you that this message today will conclude something and stir something in people's hearts that will want to really prepare themselves for all that you have us for for this great marriage, this great marriage supper of the Lamb, when we will finally meet our bridegroom. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to say I have just really love this message. Uh, I love this story and, of course, the parable of the ten virgins out of Matthew chapter 25. Um, as I said last week and the week before, this is a parable that really kind of stirs me to say, gosh, you know, even for my own self, I'm not, hey, when I preach to you or teach to you, I'm speaking to myself as well. So here we are, we have 10 virgins, five foolish, five wise. And uh, if you've been listening, you know the story, you can reread it yourself in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through um, 13. But the concern here is for the five um, foolish virgins who uh, don't have enough oil in their lamp. And then we've got the five wise who do. Now, who are these five wise? Well, the five wise are people in the church who they're sold out, okay? They're sold out to the Lord. And, you know, there's nothing going to turn them away from from the Lord. They're totally sold out. And they are preparing the way of the Lord. As I said last week, when you have your lamp filled with oil, as again, as a representation of what they did back then, having that lamp and the oil meant it was going to give light. It was going to light the pathway for the bridegroom to come to the bride's house. Hello, this is, think of this in the spirit realm. We are now the light of the world. Jesus is and was the light of the world, but now he lives in us and he says to us that we are not to put our candle under a bush. We now carry the light of Christ. We walk in the light as he is in the light. So we are called to prepare 
the way of the Lord. In the Song of Solomon, this is a beautiful story of the Shulamite woman speaking to King Solomon. And there is a verse in there. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. This is really a story of a quite a love story, a real romance between the king, King Solomon, and his beloved bride, this Shulamite woman, who came from a small village near Galilee. Now, if you think about that for a moment, why would a king be looking for someone of unknown significance? Why would he want somebody from a tiny little village that's, you know, really not a very well-known person? I think it's a picture. I believe it's a picture of, see, God is not a respecter of persons. King Solomon is, in this story, is representing Christ. And the Shulamite woman is representing us, the church, the bride of Christ. And so the king didn't go to pick the most um, wealthy, um, the most um, important lady of the day. He just got this beloved bride from a small little village near Galilee. So this book, The Song of Songs, or The Song of Solomon, speaks of the relationship of the Lord and his bride, the church. Now, it gets pretty heavy duty, so um, I, I would encourage you to read it. It is really a love story between the bridegroom and his bride, us. And for those who want to go deeper into their love relationship with the, with the Lord, then I would really encourage you to take time and really digest that whole book. But back to Matthew 25. Um, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Um, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to. Now, Jesus is telling us what the kingdom of heaven is likened to, and it's a picture of the marriage feast for his bride. Okay? So you have to understand what this parable's what Jesus is trying to tell us that the kingdom of heaven is likened to this picture of the marriage feast for his bride. And verse 10. Let's just look at that. Cuz I didn't take time to read the whole parable again this week. But verse 10 says, And while they went to buy, speaking of the foolish ones, well, let's just jump back to verse 8 here. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also. These are the foolish virgins come along afterward, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And Jesus answers and says, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. And then we are left with this 
very important um, word to us. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So verse 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding. Now the Old Testament and the New Testament is filled with the theme of the bridegroom and his bride. We've talked about Hosea um, and Jesus' first ministry assignment. What was it? The wedding of Cana, John chapter 2. Now, the wedding of Cana is a prophetic picture of the marriage supper. So, we're going to look at John chapter 2. And we're going to look at that wedding and see what the scripture says. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Ooh, that's a lot of water. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine... And did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Hey, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This Beginning of signs, Jesus did in the Cana in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, you have to understand that this is a prophetic picture of the marriage supper. What does the master of the feast, who is overseeing this wedding, say to the bridegroom? He says, Hey, you know. When we get started here, um, hang on a second, I just lost my place in John chapter 2. Um, he says, every man at the beginning of, of the uh, wedding feast, they set out the good wine. And then, hey, when everybody gets drunk, then you put the, the wine, the less inferior wine out. But he says to this bridegroom, he says, you have kept the good wine until now. Hmm. That's an important statement. You have kept the good wine until now. Interesting. So what has happened? Everybody's pretty tanked after drinking all this wine, and now suddenly they bring out the good wine, which should have been sent out, set out at the beginning. What is this story saying to us. It's saying that our Heavenly Father is speaking to the Son, Jesus, about his bride. You have kept the good wine until now. 
See, until that day, we will sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a day coming, folks. Read the book of Revelation when we will sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You see, we, the bride, we are the good wine. And we are being kept until the time when we will be joined in marriage. So let's now talk about these virgins out of Matthew 25. We're going to talk about the foolish virgins first. They took their lamps. They didn't have enough oil, barely any oil. And what do these foolish virgins represent? I believe this is just, I'm just saying, I believe they are church people. They look like Christians. Um, they call themselves Christians. Um, you know, they go to church. Um, they've got their lamp. But uh, outwardly, their outward display uh, isn't necessarily a portrayal of somebody who has their lamp full of oil. Now, what do I mean there? I'm not trying to talk in some crazy talk here. But peop I have known people. I have seen them in the church. They come to church. Uh, they may show up for a prayer meeting, doubtful. Um, they come to all the fellowship times. They call themselves a Christian. They walk in with their Bible. But in reality, they have no hunger for the Word of God, no hunger for relation, real relationship with Jesus. Their lives are pretty much just carnals, carnal can be. And they're not walking in the Spirit or by being led by the Spirit. So they have no oil. The oil is the representation of the Holy Spirit. So if they have very little oil, they have very little of the Holy Spirit. They ha they're born again, but hardly living as if they have any relationship with Christ. As I said, they don't read their Bible. They have no interest in that. They believe they are saved. And I'm being careful there. They believe they're safe. I'm not saying they are or they're not. Okay? That's not for me to judge. They've said the sinner's prayer. They've attended uh, an altar call. But you see, there's no heart change. There's no transformation. There's no desire for the things of God. And in their own deceit and in their own conceit, they believe they're saved. But these gals here in Matthew 25, they show up with lamps and they don't have any oil. See, they're not ready. They're not ready to meet the bridegroom. And, and if it were up to these five, they would not be able to light the path of the bridegroom and his groomsmen to the house of the bride. Remember, I talked about that the last two. Pro how, would, how would they get the because these guys are coming late at night. It's dark. There's no electricity back then, remember? They've got to have oil in the lamp to light the way, but they don't have enough. They're not going to be able to prepare the way for the bridegroom to come to the bride. So 
Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Hmm. We have to think about that scripture. Enter by the narrow gate. Okay? Stop there. Enter by the narrow gate. So there is a way in, but it's narrow. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And a whole bunch of folks are going that way. But narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, eternal life. And there are few who find it. And this relates to this story about Matthew 25 and the virgins. You see, because there are people, as I said... And I can't judge them. I just see. I make an observation, okay? I've been around this block, and I make this observation, and I see people who come, and they say that they're saved, and da-da-da-da-da. But they have no desire, and they don't follow this narrow gate. See, it's difficult. There is a price to pay to serve Jesus and to walk this walk. There is a price to pay. You're not going to be out gallivanting in bars every weekend. You're not going to be sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend on the weekend or during the week or whenever. That's not going to work here, folks. Not going to work. We have to enter by the narrow gate. It's difficult. And not many are going to go that way. And Jesus says in this parable of the foolish virgins, when they come back with that lamp, uh-oh, they don't, the door is already shut. Now what? Now what is that they can't get in? Now they can't get into heaven. Uh-oh, there are going to be people just like this parable says who are not prepared, they're not ready, and they don't care. They're going to live their life the way they want to live it. Well, have at it. (laughs) Because when the door is shut, the door is shut, and you will not enter. That will be it. That's the scary part about this, I think. Lord, they're crying out, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. Jesus says, assuredly, (laughs) that's pretty emphatic, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. So there is something here that that the Lord is trying to say to us, look, it's time that if you really call yourself a Christian, okay, then you're going to have to live like a Christian and allow the Word of God to transform you by the renewing of your mind through the Word of God. That's how it works. It doesn't work any other way. When you are on this path and your lamp, so to speak, is full of oil, 
and you are hungry for the things of God. You are thirsty for the things of God. You have the Holy Spirit and you are you are filling this lamp with him. You are filling yourselves with more of God and more of his ways and more of his commandments and you're being transformed. Your character is conforming to the nature of Christ. So you used to curse and now you don't. You used to lie and now you want to tell the truth and you don't ever want to lie and you used to steal a little bit, but you wouldn't dare steal now. See, you're being transformed into the nature of Christ. Remember that I said back in Hosea, we are betrothed to him who is what? He's righteous. He's holy. He's going to do things right. He's not going to lie, not going to steal. He's not going to do anything contrary to his nature. And as we renew our mind in the word of God and our nature becomes conformed to his, then the oil, so to speak, is filling up. It's like it's like this lamp, this thing in us is filling up with God. And we were conforming to his image and his likeness. Now, we were created in his image and his likeness. We know that out of Genesis. But there is a process to get there. And it's called sanctification. Where we start to put off, the scripture says, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. See, we don't have a desire to go to the way of darkness. Now, we want to go the way of light. These foolish virgins had very little light. They were mostly in darkness. And suddenly they come to a realization, oops, well, you know, I guess party time is over and I better get myself in order but it was too late it was too late all I can say is be ready be ready be a wise virgin and don't sit under I'm going to be stern here. Don't sit under some minister who waters down the gospel and will not preach the blood and the cross. If you're not hearing about the blood and the cross, you know, run for your life. I've told you that many times, and I'm I'm just going to reiterate it because it's important. Because a lot of you, I know folks, (laughs) I live in this town, I know a lot of folks, they're sitting under ministers I wouldn't ever allow myself to sit under. But uh, I don't have to concern myself with that other than I can say, hey, be a wise virgin, be filled up with God, allow him to transform and renew your mind. Ah. Um, okay, now. These foolish virgins, let me just talk about them for another minute or two. You see, you don't ever see any fruit in their life, okay? If, they, if their lamp is almost empty, 
That means there's not much light in their life. That means there's not much word in their life because we know the word is light to us. The entrance of his word gives light. That's out of Psalm 119. So if they are dark, they obviously are not in the word. They don't have a hunger for the word. So you're not going to see fruit in their life. Then there's not going you're not going to see transformation, you're not going to see fruit, you're not going to see hunger for the Lord or for his word. They'll show up on Sunday morning, but that's about it. Their desires are carnal. They live in the flesh. They look saved, sound saved. The question is, are they really saved? And that's not for me to judge. The Lord will deal with that. But when the Lord says to them, I assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. What's he saying there? He's saying, hey, you were you were one of the virgins that were supposed to be filled with the oil, the lamp, your oil was supposed to be filled up, but you weren't. And so here we go. I don't know you. The door is shut. Now, these wise virgins, they brought their oil. These are believers who've truly been transformed. They love the Lord and they're longing for his coming. Are they perfect? Heck no. No. But they're allowing God's word to transform them. They're carrying the fragrance of the Lord. They bear good fruit. They have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. So Jesus is giving this parable to his disciples. What is important about this particular parable is that this is a private meeting. He is teaching them about the true from the false. And he is giving them bridegroom theology. This is bridegroom theology. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, 3, this is what he says. He says, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. What's John saying? He's saying we've come to prepare the way for the Lord's coming. We know that Jesus is coming back, but we have an obligation to make his path straight. The bridegroom is coming for the bride. Okay. We have an obligation to make that path straight. That path is the path that we walk as believers. We've got to take and remove all the crookedness out of our path. We know that we're among a crooked and perverse generation, but we have to keep our path straight. Remember, narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate. And it's a difficult way. And few are going to find it. A whole lot are going to find it, this path that's wide and broad, but it will end up in destruction. So, we have to prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Now, we also have to light the way for the bridegroom. That's why 
the oil in the lamp was important for the wise virgin so they could prepare his way to the bride's house. Listen to what Isaiah 60 says. If you have the New King James Version there, whatever version, just turn to Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall over shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. I'm closing with this. Arise, folks, arise and shine, for your light has come. His glory shall be seen upon you. And when the bridegroom comes... You, were not, you will not be shut out. You will not be crying out, Lord, Lord, open the door. Because his glory will be seen upon you. Well, bless you. This is Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries. You can go to the website, www.pureheart.today and listen to the webcast again. I just bless you in the name of Jesus, and I say shalom, shalom, peace be unto you. I'll see you next week.